Oh, grace and peace, family. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. This is Pastor J. Ricardo Smith, and you are listening to the Place of Growth podcast, a part of the digital outreach ministry of the Brown Chapel Baptist Church in Bishop, Georgia. And we thank you for joining us for another episode. We, um, I told you to always go to the show notes so you'll know exactly what number episode this is. Um, but we thank you so much uh, for joining us as we continue to share the word of God in this unique platform. Very quickly, I want to share a couple of uh, updates with you, and then we will jump right into our lesson focus for tonight. Uh, the first one is, I want to ask that you would share and subscribe Um that you would share and subscribe to this platform. If you are listening to this, uh, there's a strong chance you have already subscribed, so I want to thank you. Um, but it's possible that you could come to find a particular show and not hit that subscribe. So if you would hit the subscribe for us, if you would uh, even rate the podcast, that would be a huge help uh, to us as we continue to build this platform. And I'm asking that you would share it. Um, we are excited that we are on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify and in the days and weeks to come, we plan to be on many more uh, platforms for those who listen to podcasts in various different places. And so we want to ask that you would help us continue to build uh, our audience and to let others know uh, that you're being blessed. Listen, if you're being blessed by this podcast, uh, don't just hoard that blessing and keep it to yourself, but share it with someone else so that they can be blessed through the word of God as well. And also, as we are in this time of uncertainty and uh, prayerfully considering what God would have us to do as it pertains to in-person worship, I want to ask um, that you would continue to utilize this platform. Uh, our church will be using this platform in a number of different ways, um, even after we have returned to in-person worship, and that is that we will continue to be able to pipe in uh, our worship experience in an audible form. Um, and so you can listen to the worship service um, on this podcast. You'll also be able to listen to Bible studies that are shared here. And then we're going to have some new content, some creative content. Uh, we're even going to try our hand at some of that creative content uh, prior to our time um, of re-entry into the building, but we're going to start using this platform to share some amazing new content with you. And so um, I believe you're going to be very excited about some of the things that will be coming up in the very near future. And so um, if you would continue to keep us in prayer uh, as we continue to help you grow uh, through this wonderful new platform. All right, we will continue in our series that we have, that we began um now four weeks ago, and that was a series on the core values of our church. Um, we are a word-centered church. That word is an acronym that, that deals with worship, outreach, relationships, and discipleship. And we've taken our time to go through John chapter 4 to show you each one of these four areas, these four core values, four pillars of our church. And in dealing with John chapter 4 in worship, we told you what we have been created to do. We told you through outreach, um, we want to do things that God recognizes. And then in relationships, we told you that we were connected and we have to meet people where they are. And tonight, we will try our best to wrestle with this concept of discipleship, discipleship, discipleship. And so um, if you meet me in John chapter four, I'm going to begin reading at verse number 21 from the New International Version. And it reads, 
Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will not worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You, you Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship him in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And they came out of their town and made their way towards him. I'll stop reading there because I want to dig deeper into those verses, especially the last few that I read. And I just want to, if I was preaching this today, I would have given it a title, Come See a Man. Come See a Man. Come See a Man. The main principle we need to understand tonight is that the job of every church is to make disciples. The job, the responsibility, the mandate given to every church is to make disciples. The job of every disciple then is to be a disciple maker. Every disciple is to make disciples. That's the fundamental and the foundational work of the church. We have been called to make disciples. I would even argue that, and when we return to Brown's Chapel, a lot is going to be different. And one of the things that I want to emphasize and to stress to us that needs to be different is that we will stop referring to our fellow church members as members. Um, we need to start to take on the language of the scriptures and the language of whom God has called us to be, and God has called us to be disciples. Church membership can often be viewed and could even be compared to membership at a gym and membership at a country club and membership in our fraternities and sororities. The church has to be uniquely different. The kingdom of God has to be uniquely different. We're not just members of the church, but we are disciples of Jesus Christ. We are disciples. That word disciple in its core means to be a follower. And so we have been called to make other followers of Jesus Christ. So get that in our language, get that in our psyche, that we are making disciples. We are called to fulfill the Great Commission. 
It's a command that God has given to us. And such is the case in the text that we see before us. Jesus was on a disciple-making mission through Samaria. And he meets this woman. And now after their exchange, after their exchange and conversation as it pertains to building relationships, as it pertains to their conversations of him doing outreach towards her, as they have conversations about worship and where to worship and what a beautiful time this is for us to see that God doesn't care if we're worshiping him on the mountain or in Jerusalem, um, that the place of worship is not that paramount. But in this particular portion of discipleship, we see that something unique has happened. The woman's eyes are now open to the person of Christ. And on the authority of his word, she trusts him and is saved. You see, this woman in the text gets saved and immediately went out to witness to others. I said she, she immediately went out and started to witness to others. She did not go through new member orientation. She did not enroll in a Sunday school or a Bible study class or a small group. She had not received any ministerial training, no, no license or ordination papers, but she immediately began to witness to others. That tells us this, that you don't have to know everything to share everything that you know. I said, you don't have to know everything to share everything that you know. Even as you continue on your journey towards spiritual maturity, and I would encourage you that certain platforms should not, we should not be on until we've had time of spiritual maturity. But in the process, as you go through the process of sanctification for yourself, you can do what is required of you, and that is simply to be a witness. And that's my first point I want to give you, and that is that we believe that we have a mandate to share our testimony and the gospel message with others. We have a mandate to share our testimony and the gospel message with others. Read these verses again for me here in verses 27 through 30. It says, just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with this woman. No one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, she left the reason she came to the well in the first place. She left her previous baggage. She left things that were a part of her past. And the woman went back to her town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. If you've been walking with us the last few weeks, you know that Jesus kind of read her mail to her. He told her all about her previous relationships and her background. She told him everything she told her. He told her everything that she'd ever done. Could this be the Messiah? And they came out of the town and made their way towards him. She shared her testimony. And in sharing her testimony, there were others who were now intrigued to find out about what she was sharing. See, we Testify, testifying to others is a mark of discipleship. Testifying to others is a mark of discipleship. Even if at times we are sharing in hostile environments and times we are sharing with people uh, who 
are going to take you through some 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 rigorous questions in the process. Uh, there is a cost that comes with discipleship. I don't know if any of you are familiar with uh, Diedrich Bonhoeffer, but uh, this that would be a great resource uh, for you to pick up uh, the cost of discipleship. Um, but discipleship will cost you something. To be a disciple, to be a follower of Christ, will cost you giving up some things of your own and not following after him with uh, some, some semblance of a cheap grace understanding, but it's going to require you to submit your life to the will of God. And in submitting her life to the will of God, she knew that she did not have the right to remain silent. But what I love in this text is she does not say after she's had this experience, this encounter, she doesn't just say, go and see a man that changed my life. But she says, come and see a man. Her saying, come see a man would imply a couple of things. Number one, it implies that she had every intention to walk with those whom she had just shared the gospel message with. That's a part of discipleship. After we have been evangelized too, after we have heard the gospel, now we need disciples to help disciple other up-and-coming disciples. And so she says, come see a man, because she was willing to take them with her to Jesus. But secondly, she says, come see a man, because she herself knew that she wanted to see him again. It was such an amazing encounter for her. It was such uh, an amazing journey that she knew she wanted to see him again. She wanted to share how Jesus had changed her life. And so that's what we have a responsibility to do. We have a mandate to share our testimony and the gospel message with others, to share how Jesus has changed our lives. But secondly, I want to show you here that we we believe that we should share our testimonies so that others will believe. We share our testimonies so that others will believe. Look back at your Bible and journey with me a few verses over to verse number 39. And in verse number 39, it says that many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him, the him being Jesus, they believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything that I ever did. You see, if you keep reading the verses that uh, precede verse number 39, you'll find out that the disciples are more concerned about physical needs than spiritual needs. They are more stuck on physical food than spiritual food. Isn't it amazing that those who have been with Jesus the longest, those who were seemingly closer to Jesus than other people, were the main ones who either struggled with fully believing and understanding his ministry, or they were just against anybody else getting close to Jesus? Jesus says nothing about his own will, but Jesus says, my greatest comfort and the most substantial nourishment of my spirit are not found in carrying out my own desires, but in submitting all of my desires to the will of my Father. You see, Jesus' food, his energy, his strength, 
came from doing the will of the Father and completing the work he was assigned and sent to do. His life was controlled and directed by a well-defined purpose. And because of this, he was able to fulfill his purpose in Samaria. And as he fulfilled his purpose in Samaria, watch this, not only did this woman get blessed and get delivered and get saved, but this woman ministered to others. And as she ministered to others, those in her hometown also believed in him because she didn't keep her mouth shut, but she shared her testimony with someone else. Listen, it's not in my notes for you today in this Bible study, and I'm trying not to preach this, but that's the beauty of discipleship. When one disciple makes another disciple and another disciple makes another disciple, then before we know it, there are thousands of disciples who are following after Jesus. That's what Jesus means when he says, greater work shall ye do in my name. He does not uh, uh, suggest to us that we will ever do anything greater than he has ever done, but we will do it in great quantity, not in quality, but in quantity. And even as we have been uh, dispersed into this digital age, we're doing even discipleship digitally. I know it's hard for a lot of pastors to navigate through this season to try to figure out what does discipleship look like as we try to do it digitally. But what the blessing of this is, is that as we've made disciples one by one, we've invited people to church, we've been uh, guiding them into classes and, and tried to get them plugged into small groups to do community and do life together. But the beauty of what God is doing, even in the midst of a pandemic, is that as we do digital outreach, our church, specifically Brown's Chapel, is being able to minister to thousands every single weekend. That is an absolute blessing. But we're doing it because that started with one who had a testimony that was willing to share it with somebody else. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything that I've ever done. He told everything. He told all. He told me all my business. But I'm so grateful that he did because now I can tell you, come see a man. Lest I hold you too long, I want to show you not only that we have a mandate to share our testimony and the gospel message with others. We're a church that believes in discipleship and making disciples because we also believe we share our testimony so that others will believe. But the third and final thing I want to share with you tonight is that we believe that when they believe, they won't stop on just what they hear. They will go off what they know. We believe that they won't just stop at what, when they believe, they won't just stop at what they hear, but they will learn to go off what they know. Let's look here in the text. The next few verses say this. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. <laughs> I'm trying not to get so excited teaching this, but this thing is preaching to me as I read it. <laughs> we get to verse 32. It says, they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves. 
<laughs> Glory be to God. And we know that this man really is the savior of the world. I, I, you could just do a praise break right there. The beauty of this particular text is this, that when others start to believe because initially of the women's testimony, they won't stop on just what they hear. They'll go off what they know because they no longer believe just because of what she said. They heard it for themselves. And now because they've heard it for themselves, we know that this man is really the savior of the world. Listen, it's the very thing that every believer has to go through as they have been introduced to the gospel. Perhaps you were introduced to the gospel by your mother, by your father, by your grandmother, by a grandfather. However, you were introduced to the gospel at some point in time, some point along your journey, it stopped being your grandmama's faith and your mama's faith and your daddy's faith. But at some point, you had to learn to know Jesus for yourself. And that is what has taken place here in this particular passage of scripture. We find that the Samaritans who were introduced to Jesus said, you know what? We want you to stay a little longer with us. We need to spend a little bit more time with you. We need to hear the word for ourselves, not just going off somebody else's relationship. And listen, I thank God that our church believes in worship. We believe in outreach. We believe in relationships. But regardless of you having a relationship, true discipleship says that I don't just have a relationship with people, but I've got a relationship with Jesus Christ for myself because authentic faith is not rooted in an emotional experience, but in an informed belief. I'm going to say it again. Authentic faith is not rooted in an emotional experience, but in an informed belief. He, he, he is there with them and they say that we have to get an informed belief so that informed belief will probably uh, and should, I would even say, it should lead to an emotional experience because the more I'm informed about what Jesus is, what Jesus does, what Jesus will do, it then creates an emotional response. I get excited when I can see a man that changes water into wine, come see a man who can heal blinded eyes, come see a man that, that can do the impossible, but I don't just know it because of somebody else, but I know what I believe. I know why I believe it, and I know where it's found. I say it often, but I heard it uh, from a seven-day Adventist preacher, uh, Dr. Carlton Bird, who is now uh, at the uh, Oakwood Church uh, there uh, in Oakwood, Alabama, but he would always have a refrain. I first heard him when he was at Atlanta at Berean uh, Seventh-day Adventist Church, but he would say, know what you believe, know why you believe it, and know where it's found. You've got to have an informed belief and you can't just go off what somebody else says. Don't just go off Pastor Smith's faith. Don't just go off the deacon's faith. Don't just go off the ministers of our church faith. But you've got to have an informed belief and let that informed belief uh, lead you to true faith in Jesus Christ. True faith in the one who can do the impossible. And listen, I'm trying to slow myself down because I want to preach today. <laughs> but I want to tell you in closing why discipleship is so important and some next steps for our church family. And so I told you at the outset of this that we have to start using the language of disciple. As, as often as we possibly can, I want to stop using the language of members and the language of disciples. The word choice is not just a semantic of 
what word to use. It is it is truly us becoming everything that God has called us to be. But I also want to tell you how that looks digitally. I'm not at liberty to share uh, all the details yet, but let's just say I had a very important phone conversation on yesterday. Um, and in that phone conversation, something was shared with me about how to utilize Facebook groups in a way that will help us to form discipleship groups. And so Brown Chapel, it's no secret. You've heard me share for probably the last two years the need for us to establish small groups in our church. And there's one small group that we've already formed that hasn't been meeting during this time. And we're going to try our best to, to connect and meet on this weekend. But we also want to start to implement some Facebook groups within our church's Facebook page that will help us to continue to do discipleship. So if you're in a respective group, some of you will just be placed in some groups, but we'll ask you to sign up for certain groups as well. And then signing up for those groups, if you're on Facebook, we really need you to like our church's page. And then we want to start to get you plugged in to the various groups. There'll be some content that is there. There'll be a learning regimen, if you will, that will help you continue to grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ. And so as we share that content, we, we want to continue to keep you connected in an amazing way that God has opened up for us to continue to do discipleship, even digitally. But then we're also working on a mobile app for our church currently. So in the perfect world, in the next couple of episodes, I'll be coming on to, to announce the great announcement that we have a new mobile app for our church. But in that process... There'll also be content there where you can continue to grow and continue to serve God and continue to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Now, don't get it twisted. You're not a disciple of J. Ricardo Smith. You're not a disciple of Lady Rondolin. You're not a disciple even of those who will be called upon to lead these virtual groups. But you are going to be a more committed, a more informed, a more mature, even a more gifted disciple of Jesus Christ. That's my prayer for everyone, not just for those who are members of our church, but for the kingdom at large, that we would be disciples of Jesus Christ. Let me pray for you as we prepare to close this time together. Eternal and everlasting God, we thank you for the privilege of prayer. We thank you for the opportunity of study. Your word tells us to study to show ourselves approved unto you. A workman needs not to be ashamed to rightly divide the word of truth. So God, every time we share, we want to make sure we got it right, that we are sharing your word in a way that will be pleasing unto you. And also, God, we ask that you would help us to internalize that word, to live that word, to let it take root in us, that it might yield us great fruit in return. Father, we pray 
that our church will take discipleship seriously, will take Christian education seriously, will take growing uh, and maturing seriously. Lord, I thank you even during this time away that you have raised up new disciples, that you have raised up committed disciples. Now we ask that you will bless our next steps. We thank you for this series. We ask that you would bless every person that has listened to it. Father, for somebody who may be wrestling on church membership, Father, we pray that you will reveal to them this is the place you would want them to be connected to. Help them to get involved. Help them to serve. Help them to not sit on the sidelines and to critique on the sidelines, but help them to get in the game, to have skin in the game, to serve you, to give like never before, to worship you with everything that's within them. Help them to get involved so that we can see a difference being made in our communities for the kingdom of God. Father, we pray for the health and the well-being of all those who have been impacted. We pray for brave families in this season. We pray for our government to make wise decisions. We pray for our church leaders to make wise decisions. And Father, I pray for every individual to make wise decisions in this season. And Lord, we pray that discipleship will not just be a buzzword in our church, but that discipleship will be a way of life, that we will commit to our own spiritual growth and we will be committed to helping others grow spiritually as well. It's in Jesus' name, and for his sake we pray, amen. God bless you, thank you so much. Browns Chapel, I thank you for being disciples that are willing to make other disciples. Until we meet again, don't just go through it, but grow through it. Be blessed.